deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Hello everyone and welcome to the Shriekcast. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, uh, we we are in the midst of the the holiday season. Yeah. But there is a really important passing that just happened uh, that we, I think, would be remiss to let go unremarked upon. Sure. I don't know what this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been in the news a lot, you know. Um, uh-huh. People have been talking about that, you know, you know, when... Regardless of how you feel about them, you know, when when something when someone dies, it's a big <laughs> deal, right? Like they've been, you know, part of the cultural, uh, you know, landscape for a long, long time. It's difficult to just kind of let it pass, right? Yeah, you, you got to pay respects. Yeah, I am, of course, talking about the website Tumblr, which died. <laughs> Which which died this week. Um, no one else famous died. I don't think. I think it's just Tumblr. But uh, yeah, I, you know, we 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 haven't engaged that directly with with Tumblr on the podcast. But I think it is an important landmark in like fandom culture, right? Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on them uh, when we did our our Tumblr confession segment way back mm, when. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to try to hum like a funeral dirge of some kind, but for so I could only get the like graduation song in my head. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Pop and circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Like a really sad version of, of like, instead of it's like yeah. 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 Good. So I think that still that. worked. I think that's much better than 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 a than a funeral march for sure. Um I just realized that the that the fame I'm pretty sure that famous funeral march that you were thinking of and everyone knows, <laughs> I think that was a show that's a Chopin composition and that's a whole we, we we just came off the back of recording something related to that which if you are not subscribed to our bonus episodes and want to know what the fuck we're talking about you should go check that out i think yeah yeah absolutely um uh unfortunately it does not have a fandom on tumblr but harry potter sort of does you know yeah. I've, been po- I've been poking around on tumblr um you know i i did do did use tumblr i was not very active on my own blog but but i I like to check it out i like to see the kind of like fandom stuff that's going on there's some artists that i follow um and and i did some poking around on tumblr to see kind of the fandom response to tumblr announcing its own death this past week and uh i guess i would say like i checked out the ringlo fandom and they're pretty upset. And I checked out the 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 John Locke fandom. They're like medium, I guess. I think that's kind of a kind of somewhat of a, a dead Tumblr fandom. Maybe after the last season of Sherlock wasn't very good. But I was surprised poking through the Harry Potter tag that there wasn't a whole lot of response to this. Yeah, I guess for anyone who is who is unaware, which I, I doubt is many people listening to this, but just in case, Tumblr announced that they are uh, getting rid of all adult content on the site. 
which is more or less announcing their own death, I would say. I I, I cannot imagine that they will have uh, quite anything much of an audience left after this, um, especially amongst, you know, like show and book and movie fandoms like that is a that is a big part of fandom. Um, but I guess with Harry Potter, you know, there's there's definitely the outliers. Uh, but I, I think that like, I mean, it is a book about mostly kids for the most part, right? Like, I don't know if it really had that much of a adult like fan art or fan fiction component compared to some other stuff. I mean, it's, it definitely uh, did. It definitely like, did and does. I don't know if that community ever really made the transition to Tumblr. I kind of want to describe Harry Potter as the biggest dead fandom there is. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. It's all pretty, like, it's, like, what ground is there really to tread after after so long obviously well, good news there are is three f- more movies coming out at oh, least right the new movies yeah when i was poking in the tumblr tag uh the harry potter one i, I saw a few um like uh, i guess like art pieces of of grindelwald and of of young young dumbledore and things but no it doesn't seem to be a very uh, sexually charged fandom also no. there seems to be a little bit of um I guess confusion about whether Tumblr is going to allow like written erotica, which I would say probably constitutes most of the Harry Potter. But they're fandom all on like adult AO3, content. right? Yeah, like what would they be doing on? T- I mean, I-, I guess there is somewhat of a culture of like, uh, like sending prompts and posting like your kind of shorter fiction on Tumblr, but oftentimes all of that gets compiled and then put on AO3. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so Harry Potter, I I would imagine, at least compared to some other fandoms, is mostly immune to this, or at least not rocked in the way that like a lot of other things have been. Um, but that's been funny to watch. It's always fun watching a company just like completely misunderstand why people use it. Yeah, or not care. I feel like that's kind of more, more well, that's likely. The ama- that's the amazing part here is that the, in that post, uh, the Tumblr post about this, there's like this whole paragraph that's like, uh, before they announce exactly what's happening, this paragraph is like, you know, uh, we understand that Tumblr has a large community of, of you know, uh, people expressing their uh, their sexuality and art and 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 discussing with people. And then it's just like, you know, line break. Uh, we are removing adult content from Tumblr. Like, <laughs> like we understand this is important. Moving on, uh, we are getting rid of it. Yeah, it was. It's just kind of surreal. Yeah, I don't think the Harry Potter fandom on Tumblr is going to be very affected by this, unless everyone just leaves anyway, which I guess is like a distinct possibility. Yeah. Um, but it does. It does seem to be mostly like people sharing, um, like art that i've seen a hundred times before and then kind of just like writing writing their very uh like non-adult fiction and linking it to ao3 so Uh i mean maybe i don't know maybe there's like there was a you know cd underbelly of of harry potser content that i that i missed completely i mean there there is that i just don't think it was ever on that website right Uh, i mean i've seen it I don't see it on Tumblr. I, I don't uh-huh. know if like the 
but I don't know where it would be, right? Because the last time I really encountered or engaged with it, it was on Live Journal. So I don't know what why it didn't. I guess people probably moved on, right? Yeah, probably, probably. Um, so so big, big, uh, big rest in peace to Tumblr, the website that just killed itself in front of everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have some more news here. Yeah. Um. And by news, I guess it's it's less news and more. This is, I guess, we don't have like a like a gossip column, do we? We don't have like a TMZ, but for for J.K. Rowling, uh, oh, I mean, we, we should though. We sort of do. Is that? I mean, that's basically. Is? I think that's kind of our <laughs> podcast broadly, you know. Sure. Like sure. Um, but but we, but we don't have a, seg- a segment name for that. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, she still has not um addressed the critical reception to fantastic beasts uh if you are following along with our podcast lore here neither has todd howard uh todd howard has still not responded to the reception at all of fallout 76 and if you have not placed your bets yet uh we would like to know we would like people's predictions on who is going to blink first will jk address crimes of grinderwald first will todd howard address fallout 76 first it is it is a heated competition it's gonna Um, be todd howard people no question is it yes yes because jk rowling is gonna write it into her next movie she's not going to address it ever (laughs) i i i like that theory i just i just feel like anything is possible you know sure uh, uh we we are we are in a, a world where anything can happen um anyway what she has been doing in between uh retweeting guardian articles about brexit uh has mm-hmm. been uh getting into a really weird argument with with completely random people on twitter about the writer's room that she has <sighs> this whole thing has really been grinding my gears over the it's past week very or so. Funny. It's very funny. Um, the I guess the the jumping off point for this was that some random ass person on Twitter quote tweeted a thing she she posted where she uh, she tweeted, "I swear to God, I'm trying not to bang on about Brexit, but for fuck's sake, every time I come out of my writing room and look at the news, some more dumbassery has been committed." <laughs> uh, which a is a legendary, yeah, legendary fucking tweet on its own. Um, but some some rando like like quoted it was like, "Writing room, could you be any more pretentious?" And this really set uh, J.K. Rowling off, I guess. Um, because she's, uh, to be clear, I say she replied to this, but she did not reply to it. And she also did not like quote it and respond to it. What she did was take a screen cap of it and then dot at the person in a new tweet, which is, we're getting into some real minutia here. Dot adding is not a thing anymore. Mm. Uh, uh, that the, the, you would use, if you wanted to tell someone something but wanted other people to see it you would put a period in front of the at um that doesn't that's not that doesn't work anymore they completely revamped the way the website works now everyone can see replies normally anyway um but she in russian (laughs) tweeted like like she google translated something about like uh like i I don't have it on hand it's like oh you know like oh you accept money from mr putin or whatever like some fucking garbage like that 
Um, and that everyone thought that was the most epic dunk in the world. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I poked around like the rando guy that tweeted at her. I'm sh- like, I poked around a bit, not really enough, it, like to really get an idea of like this person. I think that they might be like a like a rando Trump or Trump adjacent style poster. Sure, um, so, they probably suck. Like just a just a just a shithead. No good person for sure. This was a very like the worst person you know made a great point thing for me because I think that the tweet was pretentious. It extremely is like. Can you run it it back for me and read that tweet again? Oh, run the the JK tweet back? Yep. I swear to God, I'm trying not to bang on about Brexit, but for fuck's sake, every time I come out of my writing room and look at the news, some more dumbassery has been committed. It just, just reads a, to me like someone like like royalty descending from their tower to encounter some dumbassery. And there's some dumbassery occur. Yeah, it's it. Me, like I, I, I think the the uh, the argument could be made that like pretentious is the wrong word here. But one, I don't think it is. And two, if it's not, it's still fucking lame, right? Like, yeah. So, so, and like. I think that there is some validity to, you know, the idea that, like, maybe someone wouldn't have criticized her from that angle if she were a man. Like, this is like a sexism thing or whatever. Uh, I I don't know. The response to her response by other people as as taking his tweet as criticizing her having a writing room has been bizarre. It's so uh, Stephen King got in on this. Uh, like J.K. Rowling and Neil Gaiman, I I have a writing room. Actually, it's a one room studio. There's even a couch. And if you think that's pretentious, go fuck yourself. Like Stephen no, King, I do I do think you're I, pretentious. <laughs> yeah, that's an incredibly pretentious thing to tweet. Like. <sighs> Money, money makes your brain break. That's what I've decided. It sure seems like it. Yeah. So this is this has been a a drama that I hate every side of because mm-hmm. I hate the guy that made the tweet and J.K. Rowling's like weird response in Russian. I don't even fully understand. Like, is it implying that he's like a Russian bot? Is yeah, that that's the enti- that's the entire thing. The entire thing. Her her epic dunk. Is that um she that guy is probably only criticizing her because he's a he was he's a Russian bot which meddled in the 2016 election by the way like like it's such a bizarre fucking leap like <sighs> just just block them and move on like I do think that she's pretentious she is insanely like, the way pretentious that she writes not Harry Potter but the way she writes her tweets. They're pretty pretentious. I don't care about her having a writing room. She talks about her writing room a lot, too, which might be something that a, a casual observer that isn't quite as down in the weeds as we are might not know. <laughs> right. um, we have a lot of lore about the writing room, that it's like a discreet building, uh, because we have had the tweet where the spider like made a web 
on like these ornate double like French doors uh-huh. of her writing uh-huh. room. Uh, we have the tweet yes, that is yes, the- let's 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 re- let's remind everyone that uh, her writing room is like a fucking like satellite building on the uh, grounds of the castle that she bought. <laughs> It's just very, it's, well, it's not funny. It makes me sad to see people so ready to jump at the, her defense uh, because they also have a home office. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like your study is not the same kind of writer's room we're talking about here, right? Like, like. Yeah. I think this is a case of just being in, in too deep on my part. Sure. But that's what this podcast is for, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, we, we we are in we are in too deep we can't get out and this is the hell we are stuck in uh and we need to share it with the world that is that is the shrieking shack manifesto i think uh, yeah i think so so thank it so you're welcome to to everyone listening <laughs> speaking of hell yeah shall we talk about our reading for this week i guess so uh we only read one chapter it's chapter 21 titled the house elf liberation front you know what it is here we are uh this is a short one today as far as a summary of what happened in this chapter i'm thinking i'm i'm going back into my mind palace to try to remember what happened in the chapter before uh and i guess it was the first task right so harry ron and hermione are all friends again and Harry sends a letter to Sirius detailing his his triumph over over the first task in in great detail. I guess it's still the same day that they went to do this because they go back to the comp the the Gryffindor Tower common room and everyone is still celebrating his victory. And there's just kind of some some various carrying on and celebration and and little details there. We we do get some details about um, uh, Fred and George are still working on their wizards or Weasley Weasley's wizard wheezes and, and Neville eats a, uh, a candy that turns him into a, a bird, I suppose. Uh, Harry does open the egg in front of everyone. Cause he kind of, everyone's like, open it, open it, find out what the clue is. And uh, Hermione gives him a little bit of a, like, you're supposed to do that in private, but he does do it. And the egg screams and it's horrible. And they kind of speculate like, Oh, is it a Banshee? What's going on there? Hermione asks fred where they got all the food for the party and tricks him into telling her uh where the kitchens are and how you access them and he does kind of kind of resist like you're not up to anything and and she says no which works uh sometime we get like a little uh, bit of a like time has passed and it's the beginning of december now Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to care of magical creatures with the slytherins and the scroots are very large they're like six feet long now and they kind of uh, go wild when they try to try to put them in boxes to see if they hibernate. And so most of the kids end up in Hagrid's hut hiding. But Harry, Ron, and Hermione stay and try to wrangle wrangle the scroots with Hagrid. Unfortunately, while they're doing this, Rita Skeeter arrives and manages to arrange a meeting with Hagrid uh, for I think later that evening uh, to ask him. Uh, about teaching but harry thinks that she's up to something and and is going to manipulate him into into revealing something about him or or uh talking about harry but ron kind of says like oh it's no big deal so he stops worrying about it 
Harry and Ron huh. go to div- Harry and Ron go to divination after lunch, and and they kind of are. It's just more of like, oh, they're friends again, so they're making up like funny prophecies and things. On their way back to the dorms after that, Hermione runs up to them and says, you know, I have to show you something. You have to follow me. And Hermione takes them to the kitchens. And our big reveal of this chapter is that Dobby is there. And we kind of get the scene is set. There are a bunch of house elves in the kitchens offering them food and things and waiting on them. Uh, and Dobby, we, we find out that Dobby has been hired by Dumbledore, uh, and he gets getting paid a galleon a week and, and has some days off a month. Uh, but he, but Dumbledore tried to pay him more, but Dobby declined. We also find out that Winky is there and she is not dealing with being free very well. She is in tears and is sobbing and says that Dobby is a bad elf for wanting to be free. And she's like an alcoholic or something because she's like drinking all the time and and is just like very sad and and some of the other things that we learn in this scene that i guess are probably plot like pseudo plot important are um that elves are like magically enslaved in a way that makes it impossible for them to speak ill of their masters uh and we also find out that uh crouch would talk badly about Ludo Bagman at home, but Winky won't say why. And that's the end of the chapter. Let's get the uh let's get everything out of the way first before we get into the real shit here. Um, yeah, sure. Let's uh, there's there's one scene or one <laughs> there's one tiny thing I do like in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um in the uh celebration post task uh and uh when when harry opens the egg and it makes that horrible noise and everyone's guessing what it is neville neville's like reaction to it being like oh my god it's the cruciatus curse they're gonna torture you that is (laughs) really uh i mean like it's funny but it's also like like you know why that's the it's, first thing on his mind and it's a it's little very deft characterization i think yes yeah it's like that that's like the one thing where i was like oh that's really great um yeah. fred and george suck again um i can't believe they used to be like my favorite characters in this, these books um they're just like straight evil in this. Uh, the thing where they're making fun of how house elves talk is very uncomfortable, uh, given the context. It's so uh, weird. It is so weird. Like them acting this way to move the house elf plot along when we have never heard characters talk about house elves before now is so weird. Uh, it feels also, really out of place. Why does Hermione need to ask them? where the kitchens are it's a secret it's a secret to everyone she couldn't just like like does she not know where the hufflepuffs are isn't that like the whole thing that they're next to the kitchens i don't think no i think that's like part of it is that you don't know where the other common rooms are right oh i guess that's true i guess they kind of had to figure out like they had to like go find the slytherin one it's all very secretive Okay, that's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair I enough. I don't know why the kitchens are secret. I don't know why the kitchens are hidden behind a painting. Yeah, it's a little odd. Um, but yes, it's a very uh, like the the scene is all right. But like I said, I hate Fred and George here. Um, and 
in all these other scenes, I'm glad to have Ron and Harry friends again, but why does that have to manifest as them being unbelievably shitty to Hermione constantly? Boys will be boys. I guess so. I guess so. They're just they're just like mean to her like immediately. Like they're 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 especially about the spew stuff. Like just being crappy to her about that, just like off the bat, it's like very off putting. Like like it was nice yeah, that it... Harry and Hermione were getting a little closer. But like I mean, like we said with the last chapter where he was like still being kind of crappy to her, and now now he has Ron, so now they get to team up on her, and it's like cool. This is great. This is a good dynamic that's fun to read. I Yeah, I'm not sure why they're just mean in this book. And I just have to assume it's because they're growing up and boys get mean in this world. I guess, but it, but like, like, like we've talked about before, like, it doesn't feel like that's part of the plot or like character development, really, because Hermione never reacts. I There's mean, no- are we... Are we maybe as readers supposed to feel more critical of Hermione and you and I are not like, is that what's happening here? That's really what it feels like. Cause I mean, this whole, I mean, this whole thing is leading to like more jokes about how exasperating it is that Hermione is being an activist. Right. But she's not really doing anything like even in a world, like regardless of what I think about house elves as a reader mm-hmm. she's not doing anything right uh-huh. like she like nothing that she's doing regarding spew is creating conflict or getting in the way of the things characters are doing it's not like disrupting her or anyone else's life so I'm right, not like sure she hasn't she hasn't like gotten the kitchens to shut down or anything like she hasn't like inconvenienced any of the characters she just talks about it or even like if harry needed help like like working on the triwizard stuff uh and she was like no i i'm not gonna do that i have to do this elf thing right like (laughs) even then it's like okay I could maybe get on board with harry's exasperation if i felt differently about about the spew things but um, I'm not really given any real reason to be annoyed with her other than the idea that activism should be annoying to me. Yeah. And it's not. It's, it's not, yeah. folks. It's, it, it, nope. <laughs> that that one just doesn't work for me, really. Um, I don't know. There, There's the Scroot stuff. I, unremarkable, I think. There is just the... I really think the elephant in the room is is the actual house elf content here. Shall we shall we get into that? Shall we crack our knuckles? Yeah, and... I do just want to say one more time how contrived it feels that Fred and George talk about house elves so much in this book. Mm-hmm. We we have been through three books where we had no idea where any of the food was coming from, and yet in this book, multiple characters like do house elf impressions and like bring them up a bunch all the time and it feel it kind of is it feels like a shadow of what the deathly hallows are gonna feel like very different (laughs) in content and relevance to the story but also just like a a moment where it's like is this something that just should have been known all along and i'm supposed to believe that characters just kind of talk about house elves so much unprompted but they haven't for like three years that harry's Uh been at hogwarts Right, yeah. 
I just don't, it's, it's like, a, I don't even know why the hell subs couldn't have been like a secret that they're finding out about. Th- th- I mean, that, that felt like the point of the story almost, right? Like, or, or the point of this, of this whole, like, like Hermione discovering like the underpinning injustice of the world she lives in and everyone else being unaware works, I think, as a character uh like motivation except that it's much weirder in that like it it turns out that everyone knows and like not only doesn't care but like actively thinks it rocks which is a weird yeah and i think that i would have liked this more if it was just like a bad like it was a secret bad thing that hermione is discovering but i don't think that it could have ever been like that because I think that makes Dumbledore evil, right? Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. 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 We very explicitly are shown Dumbledore in a way that frames him as like the good house elf owner here. Like there's, there's no ambiguity to this. Yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, This scene of them in the kitchens almost either. Are there some times in these books where the level of absurdity works for me and this almost gets there if this plot line wasn't as like important to Hermione's character I think like Mm -hmm. they were very Keebler elves to me in this chapter yes yeah there's it's like the Keebler like the like the there's a version of this where this is a like funny like satire or not even like satire it's like a um a like comedy version of like the Santa's workshop thing, right? Like yeah, like like the you know the like the, the you know the mu- the Muggle legend about like oh there's a bunch of elves in the North Pole that like make all the toys and and Santa brings them the kids. It's like no, it's not quite that, but it's close to the real thing, which is there's a bunch of weird elves that cook all the food. Like there's almost an idea there, you know? Yeah. It does not go in that direction, though. No, it really doesn't. It really does not. I like Dobby's clothes. Dobby's I like that outfit. Description. It, I'm I'm actually really sad that the movies keep him in like the burlap sack the whole time. I would have loved. Yeah, to what have the seen, fuck is that about? I would have loved to have seen Dobby wearing a tea cozy for a hat and like multicolored socks and stuff. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, he sounds very jaunty. I like him here. Yeah, Dobby. Dobby comes off well. I'm glad to have Dobby back. Um, I'm, I enjoyed indulging in Dobby content this in this chapter. I suppose if I had to like pick one thing that worked for me here, um, but who boy, like all this like lore dump about how not you know not only do they enjoy being slaves, but they experience slave being withdrawals i guess on winky's part um it's just so uncomfortable i feel like i'm very confused by this chapter and by that i mean i don't know why it's in the book um it it doesn't need to be this this, you could delete this entire chapter and not lose anything what is the vital information here like, is this just a red herring chapter? Is that really? I, I honestly can't remember if Winky has any more to do in this story. Like, I know, I know that she was helping Crouch Jr. and helped him escape from prison, but I don't think she does anything after that. I think that she's she, just here and sad. I just realized, you know, we've been talking about like 
does, doesn't she isn't she the one who put the Harry's name in the goblet or some shit? Isn't she helping no, Moody or fake Moody oh, out? I, I it's been so long. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Um, I I think I think she does pop up more. Um, but she like we didn't need this chapter for that. You know, like. Uh, I guess we needed to find out she was at Hogwarts, right? Yeah, we did not need an entire chapter devoted to that, and we certainly didn't need an entire chapter devoted to the red herring of Bagman, right? Like, like. So, so here's my question: If she's still helping Crouch, why is she so upset? It's <laughs> a really good fucking question. I don't know. <laughs> I need to look this up. Actually, um, I, I now I'm super curious. Uh, Winky house elf. I'm 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 breaking the rules here. I'm getting some some spoilers. spoilers. I'm spoiling myself here. Well, because oh, I I just no. I need to know. You're um, ruin the book. Do do do. Yeah, I'm gonna ruin this great book. Dismissal, depression, <laughs> really good section titles here on the Harry Potter <laughs> wiki. I love it. Uh, oh, no, I'm wrong. I, I'm, I think I'm wrong. Uh, That's, it was very nice of you to give credit to this chapter for being important. <laughs> I just didn't remember her doing anything after the initial... Like prison yeah, no. break that she does. I I just completely imagined a much uh, more interesting version of Winky's character. I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she's just here to be sad. Uh, yeah. Which really, honestly, raises more of a question to me about why Dobby is so weird. Because this is like the book canonically is telling us that this is a like a magical slavery that they like a lot and get really sad about and i don't know what's wrong with dobby and like hagrid just saying that he's a weirdo does not help that makes it worse that makes it worse to me it's like oh the the weird one is the one that like realizes slavery is bad um i will say um this is less abjectly awful than i was bracing for in terms of like the details right um this is mostly a light comedy chapter um like most of most of what is bad about this chapter is like the underlying implications here or the like unaddressed bizarre politics of this idea um there's nothing new here, I guess, that we haven't gotten from previous bad chapters and bad exposés on like the concept of house elves here. So this is an even more meaningless chapter than than I thought it was going to be. You know, like well, I I am going to submit something as being a new shitty thing in this chapter, which is Dobby's character being um like he's free. And that's weird, but he doesn't ask for too much, right? Like, oh, I, I, thought th mm -hmm. I thought that was the worst, weirdest detail in this chapter, which is um, he's explaining to Harry that he was hired by Dumbledore and he gets one galleon a month and two days off a month or something like that. One day off a month. One day off a month. And 
Harry, I don't know what Harry says to him, but he responds by saying like, yeah, Dumbledore tried to give me 10 galleons a month and weekends off, but I like, I could never do that because I like to work so much. Like I like to be useful. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like still in his DNA, I guess, to like be a slave or whatever, which is just. Like, mm. is that what that is? Is it like this weird comment about like, if you like your work, you'll do it for less pay and work more? Because that's how I read it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how passionate he is. So that's kind of new. I think that was kind of the worst thing in here, other than what we've already kind of covered about the house elves existing. Yeah. So like as 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 a chapter unto itself, I guess it was it's it's like maybe less remarkable than I was expecting. Other than oh oh, I, I do need to to comment the the title of this chapter is the House Elf Liberation Front. Mm-hmm. Ron is the one who makes the House Elf Liberation Front joke. I don't understand how he knows that reference. Like like ron barely seems aware of like any muggle customs how could he possibly know what the animal liberation front was like yeah it's a weird one it's a weird one like that i feel like should have been caught in editing but also i just know the jk rowling explanation would be that there is like a magical creatures liberation front like in the same way that there's wizard broadway i'm sure there's like a wizard equivalent <laughs> organization yeah, yeah it's just so fucking bizarre because like i think i'm i'm I, I, like i could be wrong or there could be like incidents i am i am forgetting but i think the biggest thing in britain um regarding the house or the the animal liberation front was in the like 80s they claimed that they had like put rat poison in a bunch of candy um and like caused a mass panic and then it turned out to be a hoax and stuff and like that was the like lasting thing i've always known about the alf Mm -hmm. um and like I just, I don't know. I don't know if Ron Weasley, a 14-year-old <laughs> wizard, is, like, up up on, like, muggle political uh, discourse from 10 years prior, you know? It's definitely, I, I think this one's, as far as, like, references that wizards make to muggle things, this is probably gonna uh, take the place as the top weirdest one from when Draco Malfoy talked about helicopters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because that one it's at least yeah you like look up in the sky i guess you could probably like see what a helicopter is and like if you're going home for the holidays and you have like muggle family members or whatever i i, yeah, I believe that you are aware of of helicopters whereas i don't know how the fuck ron knows this weird trivia about a political movement that was like way more active before he was even born you know I'm sure there's some kind of cutesy explanation. It is definitely a weird one, though. It's it's nuts. Um, but so here's the thing. This chapter, as it stands, isn't as remarkable in a vacuum as I was expecting going into it. It's just sort of like reiterated and hammered in a bunch of shitty things we already had encountered about the house self plot. You know, like, if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, you know why the house self stuff sucks. We've gone over it. You probably knew it before we talked about it. Um, But it is a weirdly lasting debate in the Harry Potter fandom. Like, 
to a kind of alarming degree, I would say. It is maybe the most frustrating quote-unquote fandom debate I have ever encountered. Yes. Uh, it is, it is bad enough, like, like, it would be one thing if it just, like, popped up in the fandom a lot. I mean, like, <laughs> much different, you know, different stakes and all, but, like, you mentioned Raylo earlier, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it feels like a similar thing where it's just a, a, an argument that keeps on cropping up. Um, you know, Star Wars fans arguing whether shipping a villain and a hero together is abusive or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, whatever's going on over there. Whatever's uh, going on in Star Wars land. But like this, <laughs> this, this pops up in the same way. You will, f- I, I think, I would say like maybe once a week we get a like, what's Hermione right about the house elves thread on the subreddit. Um, and the, it's the, horrible. It's just the discourse horrible. is always the same and the worst. Um, but here's the thing that makes, I think, makes this like even worse than most like questionable fandom discourse sticking points is that uh the pottermore itself the the official harry potter website waded in itself and muddied the waters with one of the worst official articles uh from a like property i've ever fucking seen in my life i i'm still shocked by the title of this article mm-hmm do you want to do you want to do you want to hit me with that one? Yeah, it's called To Spew or Not to Spew: Hermione Granger and the Pitfalls of Activism. <sighs> this is a tough one to untangle. I think that it can be a fun exercise within a fandom to have like I I can't I not debate is such a loaded loaded word these days. A discussion about a moral quandary that is presented in a book, but is contained only in it, right? Like, I guess I'm talking about a canonical discussion. Like, you are you are speaking as if you were... Like, within the story, right? Within the story, right? Uh, and this is what this article does, but then also tries to make a wider point about activism and what this plotline teaches us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think, like, I always think of the, um, and like, you know, th- this, this, this still has like some real world, uh, connections and stuff that you can that make it slightly muddier, but like generally the, the, I, I always think of the Skyrim, uh stormcloaks versus imperials discussion you know mm-hmm. like that just like is eternal will never end and because it is mostly contained within a fictional you know fantasy story it's more it's like almost role play when you're debating it right like it's not yeah you're not actually like seriously politically invested in <laughs> the political uh movements in skyrim right yeah i, I would hope not <laughs> i guess we'll, we'll go right through it i, I don't know yeah, what else do to it. do uh let's do it. if if hogwarts had a debating club what might it say on the subject of elf rights we explored both sides of the arguments spurred by hermione and spew both sides 
We're going to both sides this one. Hermione's one witch crusade to free all house elves didn't exactly go as planned. She gained virtually no support from anyone at Hogwarts, elves included, but soldiered on making impassioned speeches and poorly knitted hats. Despite her best efforts, SPEW, the Society of the Protection of Elfish Welfare, aka the House Elf Liberation Front, ended up making little impact on elfish life. (laughs) We're We're not sure if Hogwarts ever had a debating society, but let's imagine it. How might it tackle the thorny issue of the society for the promotion of elfish welfare to spew or not to spew that is the question and okay the rest jumping of- in here jumping yep, in here yep. real quick uh if hogwarts had a debate club gildory lockhart should have run it god yes please uh i wish lockhart would come back please bring him back it's not gonna happen it's not gonna he's happen so he's so good uh in britain is it called debating club? Is that what that is? Yes. Oh yeah, that's okay. uh, the yeah, there's there's like yeah, uh university debate club. That's that's that is a thing. But is it called debating club? Cuz I've just oh. I've always heard debate club. Oh, uh, uh you know, I I I couldn't tell you. I I <laughs> For some reason, I'm just launching my my brain is like launching backwards in time to think of like where I would have heard either one of those and it's like well i i i i, I enjoy reading pg wodehouse books um <laughs> and and i can't remember whether they ever mentioned debating club or debate club in that and i'm sure they do but couldn't fucking tell you i don't know if i've ever told you this i i'm clearly avoiding reading this article because i have a little fan fiction <laughs> anecdote um uh-huh. uh in when when harry potter fan fiction was at its like peak and in, in a lot of communities you know you would have your your editor your beta reader um which is like a very funny term nowadays um, <laughs> and then there were also like special editors um and you would you would say this this fan fiction has been Brit picked because you had someone go over it. Someone from England to go through and fix oh my all of your God. slang. No way. So yeah. So yeah, you would, you would start, you would like read a fan fiction at the beginning and be like, disclaimer, sorry, I didn't have anyone Brit pick this one. Holy shit. That's so good. I've never heard that term. Isn't that hilarious? That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, now I have to read the stupid article. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's uh, formatted into pros and cons. Uh, and to spew pros, our self-appointed champion for elf rights would no doubt be the first to speak on the issue. And we get a little blurb from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's slavery. That's what it is. That Mr. Crouch made her go up to the top of the stadium and she was terrified. Oops, I just hit the back button on my browser. And he's got her bewitched, so she can't even run when they start trampling tents. Why doesn't anyone do something about it? I assume that's Hermione. Although this article doesn't say whether it is. After witnessing the mistreatment of Winky at the Quidditch World Cup, Hermione discovered there were house elves at Hogwarts cooking and cleaning for zero pay. And yet nobody seemed to care. Horrified to the point where she couldn't stomach the Hogwarts feast, she described the situation in two words. Slave labor. While it sounds heavy-handed, Hermione does have a point. No matter how you slice it, house elves are unpaid laborers, magically bound to serve, left at the mercy of their respective owners. The system is ripe for abuse, and we have evidence. Step forward, Mr. Dobby. The system is abuse! What the fuck are they talking about? This is where I, like, I... I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone reading this. I don't know 
I don't... How did someone write this and not think that slavery is bad? Like, I'm reading this and <laughs> I'm, having, I'm, I'm having this, like, Twilight Zone moment, which I have when I read this chapter, uh, The House Self-Liberation Front, where I don't know why I'm supposed to be annoyed with Hermione. And this article seems to, like, agree, like, while it sounds heavy-handed, what part? <laughs> Yeah, what, yeah, this is really trying its best to sound like even-handed here and it's it's oh, I mean this is this is the this is so distressing because this is the ultimate like this is such a good example of like why the like oh debate me like why won't you debate the why won't you debate Ben Shapiro or whatever thing like is is so insane on its face because like this is going out of its way to like legitimize the concept of magic slavery like like oh oh you know left to the mercy of the respective owners the system is ripe for abuse like the system is fucking abuse it's slavery how is there a way to to like not abusively unpay your laborers like what the fuck dumbledore is a slave owner Dumbledore owns slaves! And and I think we're supposed to be okay with that. (laughs) Because he's nice, because he pays them one gold coin to be slaves. Or just Dobby. Just Dobby. I gotta keep going. So there's a quote from Dobby, like, about how the Malfoys are mean to him. And that's the example of how the system can... Slavery can sometimes be abusive if Malfoy is, you know your master or whatever um at malfoy manor dobby was flogged threatened and made to hurt himself for speaking out of turn thanks to the house elves enslavement there was nothing dobby could do when harry first heard of dobby's predicament he asked can't anyone help you can't i this is where an organization like spew would come in providing a voice for the voiceless because nobody should be forced to iron their own hands it wasn't just dobby who got a raw deal an elf named hokey was framed for killing the well-off witch Hepzibah Smith and the Black family's servants eagerly await decapitation when they become too frail to carry tea trays. Creature's ambition of having his head mounted in grim old place still gives us the creeps. I don't know who us is <laughs> in this Pottermore, context. I guess. Ah, the grand, the, the grand royal we of Pottermore. Hmm. Granted, the Hogwarts elves appear to be well treated by comparison, but we've yet to address the issue of free will. Oh, did that little chestnut. <laughs> Contented as they seem, elves are forced into servitude by a combination of magic and a cultural culture of indoctrination. Hermione deems this ethically wrong and refuses to accept it's just the way things are. Of course, most wizards would say that. They're enjoying free labor without the guilt. As for yes! elves, they yes, won't that's even... the... Ah, that's the conflict! <laughs> As for elves, they won't even consider the benefits of freedom thanks to a lifetime of fear and the stigma of shame. Hermione believes elves deserve the same rights as everyone, sick pay, holidays, pensions, the lot. Any reluctance is merely the result of brainwashing. Once free of their mental conditioning, they'll be all the happier for it. Just look at Dobby. So that's our pro <laughs> section. Uh-huh. Um, which appears to take the position that slavery is bad, but only because some slave owners are mean. Uh, yeah, a ringing endorsement of abolition movements. 
not to spew. This is our con section. Miss Granger is at best overzealous and her goals are at worst unattainable. Hermione oh. may have Hermione may have meant well, but at the same time did end up dragging a peaceful group into a political battlefield just because she felt that's what they should want. Was she helping or interfering in a culture she didn't understand? Elves deserve a spokesperson who's sensitive to their needs, and Hagrid summed up the spew situation like this. It'd be doing him an unkindness, Hermione, he said, gravely threading a massive bone needle with a thick yellow yarn. It's in their nature to look after humans. That's what they like. See, you'd be making them unhappy to take away their work and insulting them if you tried to pay them. Hagrid's priority is the elves' immediate well-being. If they're happy to serve humans, why not let them get on with it? Hermione's protests that the elves will be happier in the long run hold no sway. To Hagrid, the Hogwarts elves are a jolly bunch, and it's not worth upsetting them for change they neither want nor need. But what about Dobby? Hagrid sees Dobby, the free and proud elf held up by Hermione, as an oddball. Dobby? Odd? Well, okay, he might have a point. And there's a horrific illustration. The illustration is quite cute. I say horrific because it's Dobby holding up the dirty sock that Harry gives him. To, to free him <laughs> and it is dripping with slime <laughs> that's right it's the, the snake slime Ugh. though some elves might embrace freedom and share dobby's joy of sock ownership others would struggle with their newly imposed status so far we've overlooked an important case study and it's winky getting drunk i'm not going to read the whole passage even with Dumbledore's support and Dobby's pep talks, Winky is clearly depressed. She's even starting started hitting the bottle. Yes, it's only butterbeer, but who knows the damage that'll do to an elf over time. Hermione <laughs> cites the shame imposed on Winky by her culture as the sole reason for her unhappiness, but there may be more to it. Separation anxiety might also account for Winky's anguish, and she doesn't seem to improve much over time. Uh, I have to take a little bit of an aside here um, to say that the argument that slaves can't be freed because they would get up to trouble and just get drunk all the time is a little bit of an uncomfortable that, uh, argument yeah. to hmm. be making here. Weird. Uh, weird. It's almost like that was a real that argument <laughs> that was made in the time. Oh God. Okay. I need to stop yelling about this, but it's so fucking bad. Is it right exposing elves to such a fate? From here it seems downright irresponsible. Even if the long-term good outweighs the bad, the state of poor Winky ought to be a bigger cause for alarm. By witnessing this firsthand yet refusing to rethink her agenda, Hermione appears to care more for moral crusading than, pe than the people she is supposed to be helping. What a hmm. fucking virtue signaler. Am I right? Yeah, just fucking SJW Hermione. God. So that is the end of the cons... Uh, section and the rest of it is a final thoughts um, segment which I would like to get to soon but let's talk about this pros and cons um, uh, it, thing here uh -huh. <sighs> so like you like you were saying I understand and, and, and in theory I don't dislike the what we were talking about with the whole like it's fun to like debate within a story's confines right sure um, but I think that's really difficult to do here because, like, there's this whole thing, this whole crux, this whole argument in the con section about how, like, oh, Hermione just doesn't understand the culture. 
The culture is that way because J.K. Rowling wrote it that way. She invented a culture that loved being slaves. Yeah. Um, I would also say that, like, yeah, having a, like, debate from in the like confines of a fictional world is is like fine that's not really what this is doing though because if it was like if we are having a purely canonical debate where where like if we were having that debate right now and it's just within canon if you were to say should you know elves be freed the canonical answer is no Mm -hmm. because of the way the story is written because that's how like (laughs) There's, there's not really a debate. The story, like it, it is That's that like way. The prob- it's like the whole problem here isn't the fact that there is something to debate here. It's that the book itself comes down pretty hard on the side of like Hermione is dumb for this, right? Yeah, and any like extra like information, like we don't have it. Like other than Dobby being happy to be free, like which we are never given a reason for, we don't really have any other information about house elves to inform a canonical debate about why they should be free we don't know anything about like the quote-unquote enslavement magic i even think this article does a little bit of a, a reach uh presuming that hermione is saying that it is a combination of magical enslavement and indoctrination indoctrination and they just need to like learn it's good to be free because i don't even think she really even says that much Mm -hmm. also this whole article really reminds me of um those just god-awful assignments that sometimes end up in the news that people in public schools in certain areas have to do in the united states where they do the pros and cons of slavery oh god yeah history Uh class that's just Uh what this reminds me of yeah, well, I think that's the thing here. This this feels less like a fun in-universe political discussion where you sort of leave your actual political beliefs at the door and just like, you know, inhabit a character. This is different because, I mean, the Harry Potter world is our world, just with like some extra magic sprinkles tossed on the top. And like, there is no getting around the fact that this is just a debate about whether or not slavery is okay you know like there's no there's no magical twist to this other than the conceit that they actually like being slaves which like is it right, like- is <laughs> such a crazy fu- like like that is such a a bonkers concept to just take at face value you know like like the politics of that concept alone could probably fuel a thesis paper uh to just sort of take it as for granted in this um article about whether or not hermione is too nosy of an activist is irresponsible i think um especially because at the end of the day like this is a pros and cons article but the title of the article is the perils the or excuse me the pitfalls of activism like there the 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 and tacked onto this article like is saying let's talk about this in in 
regards to real life as well as the book, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I've kind of left us on a cliffhanger for the, the final thoughts where it basically lays that out for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, this, this article is almost a comical, almost reads like satire to me, like the, the idea that the truth is in the middle of two extremes, right? Uh Like it, it is, it is a joke to me i'll jump into the final thoughts here uh we'll see see how we feel about this author's conclusion the trouble with spew is that hermione wants it all and wants it now political movements take time as well as effort so the notion of changing the world overnight is quite naive even when people are well-meaning there's always the risk of doing more harm than good Hermione's methods might be ill-advised, but this doesn't render her entire cause unworthy. Just because most house elves don't want freedom doesn't mean they don't deserve better treatment. Hermione's dream of an elf in government might be far-fetched, but there's merit in wanting to protect the vulnerable and allow them more choices. However, she ought to be careful. Tricking elves into freedom is arguably as unethical as enslavement. Before Mm. we... (laughs) Before we go, let's consider Creature. Think of how he w- how he changed when treated with kindness by his new master, Harry Potter. Previously, he'd been bitter and unpleasant, not to mention a liability to his previous owner. Had Sirius treated him a little better, things might have worked out differently. Dumbledore was right. Being kind to Creature, it was in everyone's best interests. The best part of this Harry Potter subplot is that instead of beating us round the head with a moral, it's up to the reader to decide. While there are no house elves in the real world, there are, are many issues that divide opinions. By painting Hermione's activism in shades of gray, we're invited to reflect on how we express our views and how we pick our battles. If nothing else, at least Dobby got a few extra hats out of the deal. Oh, lordy. First yeah. of all, I forgot that this story uh, makes Harry a slave owner as well by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Obviously, um, completely forgot about that part. He's one of the he's one of the nice ones, though. He's nice. Yeah, he's nice to to creature. Um, I but yes, love, this last, love this last. I paragraph. love that it is suggesting that this isn't a moral. Like this isn't. It's asking you to decide on your own. This isn't political. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's there's nothing political about inventing a race that enjoys being a slave. And then, and then saying that it's just shades of, of moral moral gray. Also, um, this embellishes a lot about what Hermione's doing. This political movements take time as well as effort, so the notion of changing the world overnight is quite naive. At what point does Hermione think she's going to change the world overnight? Everything she does in this book is, like, pretty by-the-numbers, like organization political organization like she tries to get like spread awareness of her cause she tries to raise money to like spread that further she like questions at one point whether more direct action it like it's not like she's i i don't know like she didn't she didn't blow up hogwarts you know like like <laughs> like, like maybe I don't, she should have yeah but yeah honestly wouldn't wouldn't have wouldn't say no i just i this is this this is insane and it and like this is the uh this really does a good job of like representing how this argument also always goes like within the harry potter fandom as well um 
like like it, it pretty much always in these threads that we've talked about you know that we see about uh about harry um harry potter and the and the slavery question um always come down on this idea that like well she's not wrong i guess but her methods were too annoying like she was just too much of a nosy bitch about it or whatever it which just it just kind of feels like throwing your hands up and saying that like doesn't matter to you i guess like it's it's so frustrating i i think that this article more than any other on pottermore it really it really bothers me that it comes from just like an amorphous entity like marketing no one's name is attached to this yeah it's no one's name i don't know whose ideas these are um and then at the very end it tries to act as if it isn't being political when Mm -hmm. making like an extremely like uh, like political call to action not in Harry not Potter, but like a think about politics in your own life and how it is shades of gray and like, don't listen to extremists or whatever, which mm-hmm. is the political message of this article. And it really bothers me that it is uh, a marketing arm for the wizarding world written with no like byline or or <laughs> even da- there's no date on this article. It's presented like it's like a like a book club thing yeah it's no different from any of the other like whimsical like top 10 christmas foods from harry potter thing like it's it, it, this article that basically tells you to that the, the, the truth lies in the middle in your real life too uh that's insanely political that is a stance uh you're right and just like I'm sorry. I'm staring into the eyes of this very disturbing creature illustration. That's at the bottom of this article. I was going to say, I actually really like it. It's pretty it, creepy. I like his eyes. I like his creepy sunken eyes. It's it has very, some good texture. Um, yeah. Again, when I say horrific, I mean it is scary. Not that it's bad. Just um, like the I, other illustration. But also, I'm like back to just like this weird feeling. Like I'm looking at this illustration. I'm like, oh, it has really good texture. It's super creepy. Uh, I know that it's surely, surely like licensed or whatever, but there's no artist. There's no, <laughs> no, it just says Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix underneath it. This is so demoralizing. What well, I mean, like this is this is the most concrete proof we have of like what the politics of Harry Potter are, right? Like, like we we've we started this project going and knowing and like fe- feeling in our in our heart of hearts that like the the credit that harry potter gets for being like you know the activist's handbook or whatever is just absurd and and unearned and at odds with what the books are actually saying and i think that there is no better example than than like like you say the marketing arm of harry potter putting out an article telling you that like hey if you think if you're thinking about doing activism, maybe slow down a little bit, Bucko. Like it's just gross, honestly. It's really uh, quite something to see this article assert that uh, falsely assert that because the book doesn't tell you who is right, which I 
just I disagree. It does tell you who's right. Um, mm-hmm. That it is somehow apolitical because it like asks you to think for yourself without imparting a moral message. And also implies that that is a noble thing. Like that, like you should strive to be apolitical in your writing to, to make people really think, you know, like, like that's not, that's not how this works. That's not how storytelling works. That's how a lot of people think it should work. And I hate to tell you this. Most of the people who think that have political opinions and they're not, not, not ours, you know, like, like, very very weird to to see this coming from harry potter right the ostensibly like liberal story yeah i kind of have to bring it a little bit down to earth only in that i have i'm sure that just like one person wrote this and they just like had a stupid deadline for this stupid site they work on Fair it's enough. like oh yeah, fuck like yeah. what am i gonna do like I'm, oh like, jk's gonna fire me tomorrow if i don't I've, it's like i've already written the like 10 hagrid facts and i've already said like what you might not have noticed about draco malfoy um i do think whoever wrote this uh is very short-sighted in the concept and the premise i don't know why it was it like was approved and published like i'm not trying to take blame away i guess i just want to say that i don't think this is as nefarious as it kind of sounds or rather i don't it's it's nefarious by accident right like it's it is it is playing with things that it shouldn't be i think is how um uh but I I have a different theory. I think J.K. wrote this. That's my that's my conspiracy that's what, theory. That's what I kept going like when I was reading the conclusions. Um, I honestly for, was like for a moment was like, did J.K. Rowling write this? Just because there's no, there there is no author, right? This is and it's hard. I, and it's like J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter, so it's really easy to attribute it to her. The the if nothing else, at least Dobby got a few extra hats out of the deal thing. That to me, that's a J.K. Rowling tweet to me. That. That feels like her. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no proof. That's just like, you know, if I had to, if I had to guess, I bet she wrote it. Hmm. I, I think it's, uh, I think it is someone that reads <laughs> Harry Potter in the same way and is very like-minded uh, and has read it a lot and mm-hmm. does not think of, uh, hasn't, maybe hasn't read another book, maybe. <laughs> I invite this author to read another book, perhaps. Maybe a history book, you know? That would be a good start. Um, but yeah, so 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 there's that. We have <sighs> This is this is a major milestone. This is a, a article and like chapter that we knew about before our first episode, I think. I think we've we've been sitting on this thing for quite a while. Yeah, I don't know if there is another more heinous Pottermore article out there. I think this is our. Oh, we'll find it if there is. I think that I think this is the worst that there is. <laughs> this one probably has the worst implications. I bet there's a pretty. I bet there are some pretty fucking bad Snape ones that we'll be reading in a few books time. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so how do you, how do you feel after after tackling the uh, perils of activism? um well i i've i have learned uh to seek truth in the middle um and and to stop stop worrying so much uh about about my political opinions so um i feel great i feel i feel i feel lobotomized 
Oh, yeah. Well, we've really entered some uh, gray areas on this podcast, haven't we? <laughs> Which is the best place to be, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I think we should we should take a break from this nonsense and, and come back with something a little lighter. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Welcome back. Hello. We have read the worst shit in the world. Uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter and Thousand Perfect Notes and Pottermore. Um, So now I think it's it's I think we have earned a little reprieve and we need to talk about some stuff that someone else read. Yes, let's. Let's talk about J.K. Rowling's favorite books. Oh, no. (laughs) I almost had you. Oh, no. Um, yes, there is a list here um, from Alex and Books. I have no idea what this website is, but they have a list here of the 20 books J.K. Rowling recommends. Um, I'm just going to read the wonderful blurb here. <laughs> Joan Rowling, better known by her pen name J.K. Rowling and Robert Galbraith, is a British novelist, philanthropist, film producer, television producer, and screenwriter, best known for writing the Harry Potter fantasy series, which have sold more than 500 million copies. Becoming I am best familiar. Selling... Ah, have you heard of her? Have you heard of this one? I've heard of her. Um, Yeah, might have heard of her. Um, Rowling is also known for her rags to riches life story, where she went from living on state benefits to becoming the world's first billionaire author. Inter- interestingly, she lost her billionaire status because she gave away much of her earnings to charity. That's incredible of her to do that. Really, truly incredible. (laughs) Similar to other famous authors, including Stephen King and Ernest Hemingway, Rowling loves to read books. I don't believe in the kind of magic in my books, but I do believe very magical. I do believe something very magical, excuse me, can happen when you're reading a good book. What? What's going to (laughs) happen? What's going to happen? Well, I was curious to learn which books Rowling loved or inspired her, so I did some research to find out which books the former billionaire author recommends. Here is the list of the 20-plus books she recommends. Referring to her as a former billionaire author is very funny. That's 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 what's important. That's really impressing me. <laughs> all right, I'm not going to go through all 20-plus here, but there, there are some fun, uh, fun little... Um, the uh descriptions here for some of them and as an added twist i would like you to guess the goodreads score for these books ah yeah great i'm I'm sure i'll be keyed into the star the star rating of goodreads oh yeah all right number one little women by louisa may alcott rolling is a big fan of little women saying that her favorite (laughs) literary heroine is joe march it is hard to overstate what she means to a small plain girl named joe who had a hot temper and a burning ambition to be a writer. I have to admit, I've never made it all the way through Little Women. I've tried on like a couple occasions and I just, I just can't do it. I've never read it. I've, I had to read like a part of it for class, but like not the whole thing. Um, So I, I am, I, I, I personally have no opinion on, on Little Women, the book. Um, But, Hmm. uh, 
But uh, what would you what would you think Goodreads thinks of Little Women? Can you remind me? Maybe you can <laughs> go into your mind palace and oh, tell yeah. me what uh, Hamlet has on Goodreads because wasn't it like three point five or like? It's like Hamlet has a three point six. So, I think I'm gonna give Little Women on Goodreads a three because I feel like enough people might have had to read it and not liked it that they might be like mad in the same way they were mad about Hamlet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I I I know I see where you're coming from, but Little Women has a 4.05 on, on Goodreads. That's so good. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's that's for Goodreads getting I think over like the 4 star so threshold better, at better all. better than Hamlet is what I'm hearing. Better than Hamlet, uh, Little Women here. Um, although I will say I scrolled down and the top review is a one star review from Rory who says, I hated this book. Rory. So, Rory. I, I relate to Rory. Why did he hate it? Uh, Rory says, I can't even begin to go into all the reasons I dislike this novel. It's dull and preachy throughout. Aside from Joe, who is a truly inspired character, but everyone else seems oh. one note. Most of the chapters come off as morality plays. Uh, and just when Miss Alcott has something seemingly interesting, she <laughs> breaks it for no reason other than to do something. What does that mean? What? <laughs> huh. Well, I Rory. Agree with Rory. Yeah. Rory, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, number two. The Woman Who Walked Through Door, or excuse me, The Woman Who Walked Into Doors <laughs> by Roddy Doyles. I am the woman who walks through doors. <laughs> yeah, not the one who walks into doors, which is what this book is called. Um, <laughs> my favorite living writer is Roddy Doyle, Rolling told Amazon. This novel in particular, about a woman's relationship with a violent man, was one of the most important books in her life. I don't think I've ever encountered such a believable, fully rounded female character from any other heterosexual male writer in any age, she told the Oprah magazine. That is very specific. That's right. That's <laughs> very odd praise. <laughs> I've never heard of this. Uh, specifically heterosexual uh, male authors. Uh, what do you think this has on Goodreads? I'd, I I'd mean, also never heard of, of book, this book. What kind of book is it like? Is it literary fiction, like I modern li literary fiction? I, this just looks like a novel to me. Like, like this just looks like something you would see at the airport. You know, um, I, I've never, I've never, I've never encountered it though. I could be completely wrong. I, I don't look at a lot of like I have a hard time with this one because I mostly like reading Goodreads have read like popular fiction reviews or Harry Potter, or classics. So I don't mm -hmm. have a good handle on this, so I'm just going to play it safe and say that it has, like, a four. Ooh, you're really close. That is 3.83. Mm. Um, and I scrolled down to the reviews to get maybe a, uh, um, a handle on, like, what, what the book is, because, like I said, I, I've not, uh, I've not uh, come across it. Uh, the first review here, Tony rated it two stars and left it on the shelf Irish. Uh, oh, so, what? so there you go. Thank you, Tony. 
I I really don't understand. Like the the bookshelf uh, feature of Goodreads is very funny to me. I assume it's, it's tags, just a, right? it's yeah. a tagging system. Um, but it makes for a very funny image of like, here's my Irish shelf. Here's my Irish books. Uh, so yeah, so so you were quite close on that one, but but I, you know what? I'm gonna say if you get it like within a point two, I'm gonna give it to you. Um, okay, so that I think sounds you, good. Yeah, I think you got that one. Um, the next book I'm I'm choosing here is Grimble at Christmas, <laughs> which I refuse <laughs> to believe. I felt like I was having a brain event when I read that. It um, is this a kids book. It is one of the funniest books I've ever read, Rolling told Amazon. Grimble himself, who is a small boy, is a fabulous character. I'd love to see a Grimble film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'd love to see a Grimble film. As Uh, far as I know. There is a a Grimble film. It just came out. It's starring (laughs) (laughs) The Crimes of Grimblewald. Oh God! Okay. Uh, as far as I know, these last Grimblewald featuring Benedict Cumberbatch. That's that's the movie I want to see. No God, Grimble. I'd love to see a Grimble film. As far as I know, <laughs> I can't finish this fucking paragraph. Oh my god, can you just imagine that in her voice? I'd love to see a Grimble film. <laughs> yeah, you have to do the rest of it in her voice too. I'd love That'll to see a Grimble film. I'd love to see a Grimble film. As far as I know, these last two fine pieces of literature are out of print. So if any publishers ever read this, can you please dust them off and put them back in print so other people can read them? Please dust off Grimble. Grimble, okay. I went to I went to Goodreads. I went to the Grimble page on Goodreads. I'm on the Grimble page. It only has two reviews. What? It has two reviews. How is Grimble ever gonna get a film if you can only get two reviews? <laughs> when are we gonna get the Grimble? Okay, here's the plot. Ten-year-old Grimble is worried. His parents are not very organized, and they seem to have completely forgotten Christmas. Grimble tries his hardest to make the old Grimbles remember, dropping lots of hints, humming Christmas carols around the house, and pointing out turkeys and Christmas puddings in the shops. But with only nine days to go, Grimble decides there is only one thing to do: arrange Christmas himself. That sounds like it's going to be a really great film. I can't wait. (laughs) Why? I'm just imagining. Okay. I don't know how old this book is. I'm assuming J.K. Rowling read this when she was a child. I mean, it's like a picture book, right? It is a. Yes. Or she read it to her, reads it to her kids. Okay. It was published in 1994. Maybe it's something she's like read to her kids. That's what, that's maybe where this is coming from. But the image of, like, J.K. Rowling sitting down in her fancy drawing room, lighting the fire, and pouring herself a big thing of wine, and just reading Grimble at Christmas is so beautiful. fucking funny to me. That's a beautiful image. Um, I have a, a plan. Um, and if WB is listening to this and are stuck in this horrible contract with J.K. Rowling and they're like, oh, shit, how are we going to stop her from writing three more movies? <laughs> uh, present an ultimatum. It's like take her off of this movie and let her write Grimble. Let her write the Grimble film. <laughs> yes. Yes, let her write the Grimble movie. <sighs> I'm going to give Grimble a five out of five. 
Uh, with two reviews, Grimble has a 4.1. Who did this? I'm sorry. You you know, maybe maybe JK's uh, uh, wild praise kind of led you to, to okay. overestimate it. So one of these reviews, so there's two reviews. One of them is JK Rowling, who brought the score down, who was like, I'm going to I'm going to log on to my Goodreads.com account and give Grimble a three star review. <laughs> well, Christina rated it four stars and said such a cute little Christmas story, which is perfect for the whole family to enjoy. It reminded me so much of Roald Dahl, and this made me like it even more, maybe because the drawings are made by Quentin Blake, who worked with Mr. Dahl. There is nothing there's no uh, I guess it just didn't rise to the occasion for a full five stars. But no, no, no detractions here. Nothing. <sighs> Wow. I'm going to, you know what? I think, I think this is unfair. I think, I think Grimble is a five star book. <laughs> like you say, JK gives it a five clearly. And I think Christina is just, just kind of lowballing it. So, so and yeah, she, Grimble. Yeah. She's probably doing that thing. Like when, you know, when you're a kid and everyone likes something and then you have to be cool and be like, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yep. Grimble, five stars. Let Grimble into your heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on. <laughs> uh, the next one is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Sure. I loved it. J.K. Rowling. Uh, well, I believe there is going to be or has been an Achilles character in uh, Fantastic Beasts. And I always assumed, uh, you know, a different Achilles, but maybe it's from this. Or is it nonfiction? Oh, I think I, if I if I remember right, I think this is like, you know how fucking Neil Gaiman wrote that book. That's like, what if I did Norse mythology? Oh, I think that I think this is a similar thing. I think this is oh, a okay. like I've I've I have turned the Iliad into into a cool. novel. Cool. Yeah, I did Jigger not Rowling know that. What do you think that that has on Goodreads? Oh, I don't fucking know. Uh, I don't. So it's a novel, right? Mm-hmm. Historical romance, it says. 3.5. 4.2. What? 4.3, excuse me. Ooh, maybe I should read it. People really, really seem to like this one uh yeah uh yep I'm not, have you learned not, I, have you learned anything about it uh, it seems to be uh a lot of people like it because it features a gay romance between i'm assuming patrocles and and uh and achilles great uh so that, there you go cool there and jk Excuse rowling me. loved it so what patrocles what, uh... not patrocles i got that wrong uh but jk rowling loved it okay moving on Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. I believe this is the book that the movie Lincoln is based on. Wait, um, the one that was really boring? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't like that movie very much. No, that movie sucks. That movie's so <laughs> fucking boring. I don't even know why I went and saw it. I barely see movies, but somehow I went to that one and did not enjoy it. No, that's a very Maybe boring Maybe the book's movie. better. Uh, well, the the the... The book is called Team of Rile- Rivals, The Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln. Um, in 2012, J.K. Rowling described Team of Rivals as the, as the last truly great book she read. 
I lived I lived in it in the way you do with truly great books, she says, describing the experience as putting it down with glazed eyes and feeling disconcerted to find yourself in the 21st century. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that's ever happened to me. Especially not reading a book about the Civil War. Like, damn, I wish I could have been in the Civil War. <laughs> um, I'm going to go out on a limb on this one and say that because people liked this movie so much, they went back and read the book and didn't like it, and that tanked the score, and I'm going to guess a 2.5. J.K. Rowling just appears to have very good taste because this is a 4.3 as well. Huh. Is everything 4 point something on Goodreads? Is that what happens? Goodreads is sort of like, you know, like like for a long time, the joke was that like video game reviews, like seven is the lowest. Yeah, Uh, it kind of feels like that, except for Hamlet, I guess. I'm starting to think that 3.5 might be the lowest that you you can ever get on Goodreads. Um... Moving on. The Little White Horse by Elizabeth Goge. On I'm a deeper to feel level, like I don't read books. I've never heard of a lot of these. I, I'll be quite honest with you. All right. Um, All right. Uh, the Little White Horse by Elizabeth Goge. On a deeper level, Rowling was attracted to how cleverly the book was constructed, even though it seemed simple on the surface. Perhaps more than any other book, it has a direct influence on the Harry Potter books, she says. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like we we might need to read this at some point. Yeah. This seems like I, it might be in our read another book column. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like she's mentioned it. I've heard her mention it before, which I think is why it it sounds familiar to it me. It was in a I think she talked about this in like a documentary that we watched. Hmm. Maybe. Um yeah. or maybe or maybe it came up in one of those fake documentaries we watched where where they read this quote and regurgitated it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um is it I I'm is it a, like a young adult book? I mean I guess it was it's probably old enough that young adult wasn't its own genre, but is it like a kids book, like a young reader chapter book? Is it a picture book? Uh it's it was published in 1946 by Puffin, so I'm going to say it's like yeah, like an old young reader book. Sure. Um I feel like um this thing happens on Goodreads where people review stuff and decide like old like old stuff uh like from the 40s um and decide it's bad for kind of weird out of context reasons but i also don't think that they're gonna give it anything less than a three so i'm gonna have to go with another four Mm, three point eight no i'm gonna take your first answer there because it's a 4.09 oh I'm going to give that one to you. Um, however, I'm, I'm finding a dissenting review here that says. Uh-oh. Uh, Patooey, impossibly oh. sexist. Isn't it about a horse? Uh, I, I, am, I, I guess. The, Are here, they going the, to expand uh, on this? Uh, when orphaned young Maria Merriweather arrives at Moonacre Manor, she feels as if she's entered paradise. Her new guardian, her uncle Sir Benjamin, is kind and funny. The manor itself feels like home right away, and every person and animal she meets is like an old friend. But there is something incredibly sad beneath all this beauty and comfort. A tragedy that happened years ago, shadowing Moonacre Manor and the town around it, and Maria is determined to learn about it, change it, and give her own life story a happy ending. But what can one solitary girl do? Oh. I mean, yeah, it was probably sexist. It was written in the 40s. <laughs> Patooey. Patooey. Patooey, I say. Um, 
Oh, this is good. This is a really good follow-up to this one, actually. Yeah. Okay. Next on the list, Black Beauty by Anna Sewell. Sewell? Mm. Sewell? I, I, I've never been able to pronounce that. Um, when asked to name her favorite books as a child, Rowling said she loved anything with a horse on it. Among those, <laughs> Black Beauty is one of her favorites. Uh, this is another one I can't weigh in on very well because I was kind of an anti-horse girl. That was kind of mm-hmm. my my brand growing up. So I like, yeah. extremely didn't read horse books. Um, so I didn't read Black Beauty. I've I I read Black Beauty in school. I had to read it twice. I think actually, um, huh. that's one of those like American classics or whatever that I've always like like has always been on the uh, it's the, like the Black syllabus. Beauty I guess. and Hatchet. Over and over and over again. Black Beauty, Hatchet, The Chocolate War, uh, fucking, uh, actually, those are basically it. Those are what I remember from high school. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. Actually, I guess Black Beauty is probably more middle school. But yeah, those are the ones I remember. Remember, um, Black Beauty, what do you think that has on Goodreads? That's a classic. Um, probably like a, a, 4.2. 4.2. I feel like people like I feel like people really like that one. It has and a And there was three, a movie. What? 3.95. Oh, but basically don't. a 4. Basically uh, yeah, a 4. I guess so. But it is good reads and it has a lot of reviews, so this the, I think that I think it, once you're like in the 3 range, it's very contentious, right? Like like that to me says maybe it'll, maybe there's a little bit of push and pull here. Yeah, I would say so. I guess, I guess maybe this is the one where people that had to read it in middle school are like disgruntled about it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, I, I read this when I was in middle school. I read this when I was six or seven. I read. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, school mentions in here. Sure. Um, we got any good reviews in here? Well, there's one there's one of these review starts with a mahatma gandhi quote so i think that this this might be a little this might be a little bit of a flex uh hmm wait i'm excuse me hang on a second okay this is a this is a review from someone with a snape avatar they rated it five they rated it five stars okay it had started as a review but it ended up becoming something totally different it is rather dark you have been warned what in defense of cannibalism I think the story story. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is Wait, this? Wait, what is Black Beauty about? I am. I can't. I cannot. I cannot. I. I need to send you this later. I. Yeah, shelf if, that if, for if, now. Yeah, I'm shelving this. If you're listening to this, just go and find. Go and find the in defense of cannibalism review on the front page of the Black Beauty Goodreads post. I am in awe of this. Um, <laughs> but I am okay. I am. Uh, I am. I am. I am putting a pin in that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have got one here. This one doesn't have um, anything from J.K. Rowling, uh, but I know you have something to say about this one. Uh, on her list is Animal Farm. Oh, yeah. I had to read Animal Farm. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another one for sure. That's another like high school literature classic. Yeah, um, I do. This one, I, I have a review that I do want to read about Animal Farm from. 
from Colleen Hauk, my favorite Goodreads reviewer. Hell uh, yes. I believe, I believe we've talked about her on our main episodes, right? She's oh, a yeah. YA, she's a YA author uh, and, and likes, and likes to review classics on Goodreads. Uh, and here's her <laughs> review for animal farm. Also, this one is on her. These are the bookshelves. She has animal farm on adult animals, classic death, espionage, intrigue, Europe, farm, food, Poetry, secrets, politics. Wow, it's a lot of. I'm shows. glad you put politics in there. Yep, this one's got politics. I think uh, here's her review <laughs> for Animal Farm. I know this is high school reading, but it wasn't when I was a teen, so I didn't get around to it until now. It was very cleverly written and insightful. I'll be thinking about this one for a long time. I can see a bit of myself in every creature. None of what? Them- <laughs> None of them believed they were making wrong choices, which is the most interesting thing about it. I think I'm most like the one with his nose to the ground chanting, work harder. (laughs) Is that the horse? Oh my god. That's the... Yes, that is the horse, I think. It's been a while since I read read, read that one, but uh, oh my god. I love her reviews so much. Well, well, well I will move right along then to give to give you this next one, which is yeah. Macbeth by William Shakespeare, who, which is on uh, on J.K. Rowling's list. J.K. Oh, J- says, <laughs> what J.K. has to say is, like any British author uh, and any author working in the English language, Rowling loves Shakespeare. Her favorite is about a fellow Scot, Macbeth. Its prophecy and fate-driven plot is an influence on the plot of Harry Potter. Oh, that's very interesting uh, what J.K. Rowling has to think about Macbeth, but wait till you hear what Colleen thinks about Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Uh, Macbeth is a terrible political tragedy full of horror. A social climbing wife plus a soldier husband who used to shedding blood makes for terrible results. Their ambition got the best of them, though, as they realize what they've done and results in one of my favorite soliloquies, out, out, brief candle. Justice comes for them in the end and they are ruined. Point of the story, never listen to witches. Yes, that is the point of Macbeth. Thank you, Colleen. (laughs) I'm so glad she could get to the bottom of this. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. All right. Wait, 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 wait. I missed one. Wait, hold on. I forgot to read you Colleen's review of Little Women. Oh, that was shit. right from the beginning. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, would not want to miss more Colleen content. No, this is this is my last my last Colleen content for today. I'm not sure why I put this one off for as long as I did. It's a nice, quick read. I'm still not sure why Joe didn't end up with the boy next door instead of the old guy. That's always bothered me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Colleen. She is such a breath of fresh air. I love Colleen so much. I will ride or die for Colleen Hope. <laughs> Protect Colleen squad. That's uh, that's yeah. that's the that's the Hurtwood House motto. Yep, it is. All right. Well, last one here on, on the number one book J.K. Rowling uh, recommends reading. Mm hmm. It is The Casual Vacancy by J.K. Rowling. Oh, weird. I think I think, think I've heard of that one. <laughs> yes. Is this article uh, real? Did she recommend that? <laughs> uh, well, she said that's right. I think this might be a bit of a stretch, but it is very funny that it's on this list. It says, the, the, the blurb on this entry here is, that's right. Even J.K. Rowling loves J.K. Rowling. 
Or at least she makes herself cry too. She admitted to bawling her eyes out while writing, editing, and rereading the casual vacancy. Hmm. I have read the casual vacancy. What do you think? It uh, it was, I mean, it's been a long time. I read it when it originally came out. It was okay. Would be cool. my would be my review of it. Yeah, um, we we will get un- to it eventually. Unremarkable in every way, I would say. Um, yeah. But it is a like I think a vision of hers. Also, I'll, I'll save my thoughts about the casual vacancy for a for a read another book. Um, Absolutely. I will say I did cheat. I did look at Goodreads and its star rating and was actually pretty surprised. It's pretty low. Yes, it is a three point three. Wow, I think that might be the lowest I've seen. That's quite low. Much look, JK, I don't want to upset you, but it's worse than Hamlet. <laughs> wow, if you're down there worse than Hamlet, you know it's bad. That's pretty fucking low, gotta say. Yeah, the yeah, the the way Goodreads works is number number top end is four point five, which is what uh um uh i'm having a brain problem i can't say a thousand perfect notes because i i was so ready to just be done with it completely but i I did say that's what that's what happened to me after the fault in our stars (laughs) i just just like kept bringing it up um and really Um, isn't that isn't that what a good book is something that you just can't stop talking about that's over and over and over again it's so true it's so true um but yeah the low end casual vacancy uh and the top at the high end is a thousand perfect notes Macbeth, yeah like i said if you're worse than Macbeth, if you're worse than hamlet oof, like ouch maybe maybe take a rating class yeah well thank you jk rowling you know not only has she given us uh these books from her own hand but she has recommended so many other wonderful books for us mm-hmm. um it's almost as if she's trying to give us the advice that we give everyone else. But, um, you know, you know, that's that's a that's an irony. I guess we'll discuss another day. Yeah, I um, guess so. Have you got anything else to, to, to bring up here on this list or shall we take it to the ending? I think we can go ahead and, and roll over to our ending here. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. You can check them out on Bandcamp. Huge thanks to them for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash shriekcast. Uh, we have lots of good bonus content. We are just now putting up a another book review. We read A Thousand Perfect Notes, what we were alluding to earlier. It is a very interesting YA book, is what I will say here. Mm. Um it's time for that classic segment we all know and love. What are we reading next week? Yeah, so uh, next week is going to be special um, because it's December uh, as we're recording uh, in in real life. And for next week, we are going to be reading chapters 22, which is called The Unexpected Task, and chapter 23 called The Yule Ball. We did not plan this. It's pretty no. funny that we've we we have managed to uh, to time this like this. Tis the but season. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty fucking excited for after the cursed chapter that we read this week. I'm really excited to read the Yule Ball, which I'm sure 
will be also cursed, but in a different way, I think. Yeah, I, I'm just like hoping for some like good, good teen drama. That's what I want. I want some good teen drama. I know we get some Snape and Karkaroff content in this one. So there's some stuff to look forward to. Yeah, I hope Snape is wearing something special for the Yule Ball. I don't remember if he does. Oh, Snape in dress robes. I hope mm. we see that. Mm. Well, while we're thinking about that, we have plenty of opportunity to look over this big old list that J.K. Rowling gave us and read another book. Please read another book. <laughs> 